This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I'm Courtney Eck. And we are happy to be with you. We are. We're both going through puberty, I think. We both had a little voice crack there. I know. (laughs) I was was feeling that. Yeah. Uh, It's Courtney's night tonight. Yeah, and I'm super excited about this one. This case was just solved like four months ago, and they just put out a couple articles about it like two days ago. So (laughs) hot off the press. I know. I love that. It's an oldie, too. So this is the recently solved murders of Annette Schnee and Barbara Jo Oberholzer. January 7th, 1982 was a freezing night in Breckenridge, Colorado, and 29-year-old mother Bobby Jo Oberholzer hitchhiked into town to spend some time with friends at a bar to celebrate her recent promotion and pay raise. There was a winter storm brewing, and the weather got increasingly worse as the night went on, to the point that a man got stuck on a mountain pass going home from a bar, signaled an SOS to a passing plane with his flashlight, and was saved, which made national news at the time. Wow. Quote, you find out how lonely it is really quick, the man later said. I thought about walking to a ski area nearby and went about 200 yards and thought, no way, it was too cold. Wow. Bobby Joe's husband, Jeff, recalls speaking to her just after six when he offered to pick her up, but she said her coworkers were going to give her a ride home. Jeff prepared a nice dinner to help celebrate her good news, but as the night wore on and the weather worsened, Bobby Joe never came home. Jeff claims he fell asleep at some point and woke up a little after midnight to discover Bobby Joe was still out and, quote, that's when things just changed so fast after that. Jeff immediately reached out to the friends Bobby Joe had been with that night, and they said that Bobby Joe had left before they had, and that they had not given her a ride home after all. Apparently, Bobby Joe had gotten tired of waiting for her ride, so let the bartender know she was leaving, and to tell her friends she was just going to hitchhike home, which was a common practice in the small ski town. It was so common for neighbors to give each other rides that there was even a designated spot to look for local hitchhikers that was just two blocks from the bar and Bobby Joe's office. A local gift shop owner reported seeing Bobby Joe after she left the bar, and they waved to each other, but her trail went cold after that. Once Jeff had confirmed that his wife hadn't gotten a ride home with friends, he jumped in his truck to retrace her route, hoping to find his wife still waiting for a ride somewhere, despite his gut feeling that something was terribly wrong. He started at the mall where Bobby Joe worked and tried to get in to see if maybe she'd fallen asleep in her office after the bar, but there was no sign of her. He then drove to the police station around 3 a.m. to report her missing, but police refused to file a report until morning when the sun came up and they could do a better search for her. (laughs) Since police weren't willing to jump to help, Jeff spent the next few hours organizing a search party with friends to start at dawn the next morning. While he was reaching out to friends, he received a call from a local rancher that no spouse ever wants to receive. He'd found Bobby Joe's driver's license on his property. Oh, no. Knowing police weren't likely to follow up at that point, Jeff decided to drive to the ranch himself to investigate. Oh, no. A friend offered to drive him, and after driving 12 miles toward the ranch, Jeff spotted something on the side of the road and told the friend to pull over. Somehow, Jeff managed to spot his wife's backpack lying on the snow, and nearby he also found her glove covered in blood, as well as a tissue dappled with tiny spots of blood. Hmm. These and items... Mid, we were still in the middle of the night, right? Like, uh, this is in dark. the morning now, oh, okay. yeah. So he's been up all night calling friends and organizing, and then by morning a rancher went out to do rancher... Okay rancher duties duties, yes and found her driver's license okay so it wouldn't be so odd for him to find the backpack i mean other than the the fact that you're in the mountains in a fucking snow blizzard but yes (laughs) it would not 
I mean, that is a good way to find things because everything's white except for the things that aren't. But yeah, there was a time that I got, uh, I was in San Diego visiting you Yep. and you were working and I went to the beach and I had a wallet. I had my wallet on my bag or whatever and I lost it. I remember that. I was, I had everything like my ID and my money and I had no way to get back to you. And I looked up and down that beach and I saw a little piece of white fabric sticking out of the sand and I picked it up and it was my sock (laughs) and under my sock was the wallet. I would have never found it if it hadn't, it was totally buried. Oh my God. Yeah. It was like the luckiest moment of my life. I think. (laughs) Oh God. Seriously, yeah. I'm I'm like having serious anxiety that you're still stuck on the beach right yes, now. Yes, what would I have done? Not, not, God, so stressful. So these items were reported to the police, who immediately became suspicious, thinking it was very convenient that he was able to randomly spot her belongings in a field. Mm-hmm. In the backpack, they found several of Bobby Joe's personal items and a stack of Jeff's business cards. Police also learned that the rancher had found Bobby Joe's driver's license just five miles from where her backpack was found, which led them to believe that someone could have kidnapped or killed Bobby Joe and then started throwing her items out of the car as they drove down the road. Jeff and friends organized a search party to canvas the road and see if they could find any more of her belongings or other evidence to help them determine where Bobby Joe had gone. Carloads of friends and loved ones drove to the top of the mountain pass and started walking downhill down the road, looking for anything out of place. A couple of men brought skis to search a road that was covered with snow that would have only been known to locals as it was a smaller mountain road. And you know those like when you're on a mountain and there's all Mm -hmm. those little like ranger style roads. Mm -hmm. That's what the impression I got that this was. About a hundred yards down the road, they came across the body of a woman. The skiers were smart enough not to investigate the body and instead backed out and flagged down police to do a thorough search of the body and the surrounding area. Police confirmed that it was indeed Bobby Joe, and while they couldn't immediately determine her cause of death, they were able to determine from a trail of blood that she'd slid down a bank of snow from the highway above before she died. Mm. She was found face up and fully clothed. Her head was closest to the highway and her knees were bent as if, quote, she was trying to push against the snow and stop a slide. Oh, no. They also found two zip ties around her left wrist. One was pulled tight and the other had been looped through that one, but was not attached to her. Does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Yeah. So they assumed her killer had been in the process of binding her wrists, but she must have escaped before the abductor could complete the binding. Oh, man. The medical examiner also determined that she'd likely fallen while running away from her captor. They believed that she darted from a car toward the woods, had fallen at some point, and then been shot just before she managed to make it into the woods (laughs) to hide. Oh, no. Is there anything worse than people who get free and don't make it to the fucking hiding place? uh, No. Like, you're so close. Yes. Ugh. She had a grazing wound to her right breast and a gunshot wound through her right back. Neither, they determined, were fatal. Wow. Bobby Joe was still alive after being shot, but eventually bled to death and Ugh. froze to death. <laughs> I hate yeah. It. Yes. Yeah, it's fucking tragic. And if you weren't in a fucking blizzard, you know, you could have just laid there potentially and waited right. for someone or, you know. <laughs> Police searched the area and found her hat and other glove near the highway. They found more evidence in a parking lot just up the pass from where they'd found the body. A large key ring that Jeff had made her to use in self-defense, and an orange footy sock that seemed to come out of nowhere, as Bobby Joe had been wearing a matching pair of white socks, both intact and on her feet when she was found. What? And in her boots. Yeah, she had white socks, and so there's this random orange booty with her. Oh my God, is there like a thing about magical socks that lead you to the thing that you need? Yeah, yes, that's wow. what the story is about. I was just going to save that reveal <laughs> that you were involved in some sort of <laughs> missing sock magic caper. I mean, does the orange sock break the case wide open? It definitely, you'll see. It's okay. very, It's definitely very 
important piece of evidence. Yes, that's amazing. They knew there was a chance it was just a random item that was unrelated, but collected it as evidence just in case. Mm -hmm. Friends and family were devastated by Bobby Joe's murder and couldn't understand why anyone would take such a gentle life. Police asked them about Jeff and Bobby Joe's marriage, and they reported that they all felt there was something, quote, off about their relationship. Authorities said the picture that her family painted was vastly different than what Jeff had presented, which of course increased their suspicions of Jeff, and he quickly became their top suspect. After Bobby Joe's body was found, Jeff started calling and interrogating people about who could have been responsible for her murder which I would do a million percent. Mm -hmm. I would go full fucking private eye on this shit. Oh my God, I would never sleep again. No. The sheriff at the time said, quote, he just constantly just put himself forward as being a part of the investigation. Jeff also didn't have an alibi for the night of her murder and claimed he'd fallen asleep waiting for her to come home from the bar. Despite being the top suspect in his wife's murder, Jeff was fully cooperative with authorities passed two polygraph tests, and they were unable to find any evidence tying him to the crime. They tested the blood found on the glove, but were only able to test for blood type at the time, and it came back as the same as Bobby Joe's, so they assumed it was her blood. With no conclusive evidence or substantial leads, the investigation stalled. Six months later, the case took a major step forward, when a young boy was fishing in a nearby lake and came across another dead body of another young woman. What? The lake was located just a few miles away from where Bobby Joe's body had been found, which immediately seemed significant to police. Even more significant, the second young woman seemed to have been murdered in the same way that Bobby Joe had. No. They noticed a bullet in the jacket she was wearing, and later determined that she'd been shot once in the back. Mm. They found her driver's license and a social security card in her pocket and were able to identify her as 21-year-old Annette Schnee. Just like Bobby Joe, Annette had bled to death and frozen to death after being shot once. The most shocking similarity of the two deaths was that Annette had gone missing on the same night as Bobby Joe. What? Police immediately assumed that the same person had likely killed both women, and this was driven home when they realized that Annette was wearing an orange booty on her right foot, but the left (laughs) booty was missing. Of course, the right booty was an exact match to the left booty that they'd found in the parking lot with Bobby Joe's belongings six months earlier. That is a hell of a coincidence. I remember Not a coincidence, a... Connection? Yeah. What's the word? Maybe it is coincidence. But yeah, the fact that the sock happened to end up with Bobby Doak, that's just... Well, and remember when we were talking about booty technology and joking about it? I guess it's really a thing because the Hollywood Ripper got busted from booty technology and cracked this case as well. Well, pushed it forward. Yeah. Thank the good Lord for socks, man. Booties in particular. Everybody fucking invest in booties or wear them and nothing else because if something happens to you, (laughs) there is a 92% chance that your case will be cracked based on the booties that you're wearing. Uh I went to a friend's house for drinks last night and there was a, it was a shoes off house and I was wearing booties and I was like, damn it. Like those little tiny booties and no seam booties for when Mm -hmm. you're wearing like yeah had i known people should text you ahead of time and be like we're no shoes house fyi (laughs) plan accordingly (laughs) you know what i mean sounds like barefoot just slapping around these people's houses (laughs) that were like friends but more clients than friends you know yeah thank god i have a pedicure Annette was 10 days shy of her 22nd birthday and had moved to Breckenridge from Iowa to work. She had last been seen filling a prescription at a local drugstore at 4.45 p.m. Annette didn't own a car, and authorities suspected she'd tried to hitchhike to get back to her home, which was five miles away. She'd had an 8.30 p.m. shift at a local restaurant, which she never showed up for, and police found her uniform still hanging in her closet, 
so assumed she'd never made it home from the drugstore to get ready for work. Her family visited her apartment a couple of days after she went missing and found that she hadn't taken anything with her to suggest that she'd left on her own accord, so they'd feared for the worst from the start. Annette was also very well-loved, kind, free-spirited, funny, and didn't have an enemy in the world, so it was impossible to fathom who could have murdered her in cold blood. She was working two jobs to make ends meet while she pursued modeling and working as an airline attendant. Police thoroughly examined all of the evidence in both cases, specifically looking for anything to tie the two women together, and Annette's mother was able to confirm that both of the orange booties police found belonged to her daughter as she'd just sent them to her for her Christmas present. Police could not answer how one of the socks ended up miles away from the other, but their main theory was that both women were attacked in the same car, that one had fallen into the back seat, one of the booties had fallen into the back seat after Annette was sexually assaulted, and the sexual assault was never confirmed or ruled out based on the condition of her body when she was found, but I think they all thought that she was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm and then fell out when Bobby Joe escaped. Police weren't certain if the women had been in the car at the same time or had been picked up separately that night. Authorities searched the plastic wallet Annette had in her pocket when she was found and found a photo of a young, handsome man with a military-style haircut who none of her friends and family were able to identify or had ever seen before. The other item in the plastic wallet was a business card for Jeff Oberholzer, Bobby Joe's husband. My eyes are like saucers right now. <laughs> so I was like, well, surely it's not Jeff now. If it's just like random guy. <laughs> Oberholzer. Oberholzer. This is mm-hmm. when, if I was a fucking police officer, if I was a detective, mm-hmm. case closed, yes. throw the book at him. Yes. The end. Wow. How far apart were their bodies found? Like five miles. Okay. Authorities called this evidence, quote, coincidental to the extreme and said that it raised a ton of red flags and, of course, shifted the spotlight back onto Jeff as the main suspect. Yes, it would. I would shit my pants. I would pee all (laughs) over the office if I found that. No, I'm picturing like a detective show and you open up the wallet and then it's just like done 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 you're done that's done yes like i said done great i can retire now because i just cracked this case conclusively 100 percent without any other (laughs) potential possibilities nothing yeah they questioned jeff again and said he was extremely cooperative quote almost to the point of getting in the way initially he said he didn't know who annette schnee was but after the media released photos of her, he approached detectives and said that after seeing her picture, he remembered picking her up hitchhiking once, months mm. before she disappeared. Wow. I would keep that to myself. Jeff is ready to fucking party, man. He's right. like, this is what's up. Wow. What he does he rem- do again? Um, I didn't tell you, but he was like con- con- contracting stuff, like construction sort of stuff. Okay, so maybe something you're passing out business cards for. You know, like, I need... Yeah. But she didn't own, like, a... Anyway, okay. But yeah, so either, you know, I don't know if he mm-hmm. was just like, hey, if you know anyone who needs their house built. Right. But it wasn't like a... He's not an insurance salesman or some some profession that you would be passing your cards out to everybody. No, no. Yeah. Unless you're just, like, a fucking radical marketer of, in the early <laughs> 80s, you know? Like, right. he's, he's like gotta build this business he remembered picking her up and dropping her at her day job at a holiday inn he said he stopped at his bank on the way then dropped her off at work and never saw her again after that day he said he had a magnetic clip stuck on his dashboard and gave her one of his cards as she exited his vehicle detectives were suspicious of his story but were actually able to track down a witness one of Bobby Joe's friends who had been in the bank that day and confirmed Jeff's story. She said she'd walked up to the truck thinking Bobby Joe was inside and was surprised when it was a different woman whom she later confirmed had been Annette. Wow. While the circumstantial evidence that Jeff had something to do with the two women's murders was very compelling, 
there was still no hard evidence to tie Jeff to the crimes, and he was eventually dropped as a suspect. And once again, the case completely stalled. Seven years later, police assembled a task force, which was headed up by Charlie McCormick, who was a retired detective and had been working as a private investigator on the case for Annette Schnee's family and was determined to bring the two women's killers to justice. So he had been a detective, had retired, was a Mm -hmm. PI, and started working for her family. Um, And then the police, like the police, (laughs) (laughs) wanted to start a task force, and he'd been working on the case privately for several years, and so they brought him back into the fold to head up the task force, if that makes sense. Yeah. They went back through anyone related to the initial investigation and interviewed them all over again. They also went through a list of all of the sexually motivated crimes in the area at the time to see if they could pinpoint someone whose movements lined up with the murders that winter night. One man named Thomas Luther seemed to line up with the investigation completely. Tom Luther was a cab driver, and about six weeks after the murders, he picked up a woman in Frisco, which was where Annette also worked. Frisco, Colorado, not San Francisco nickname that people in San Francisco don't use. I, can, I remember moving to California and people were like, we don't say Frisco. Don't say that. <laughs> if you say Frisco, they know you don't know what the fuck. You're not from here. Yeah. Luther attacked the woman with a hammer and almost beat her to death, but she managed to escape and Luther was arrested for the attack. While in jail, he confided to a couple of his cellmates that he had also killed Annette and Bobby Joe. Luther was off the night of the murders and had access to a handgun that was, quote, consistent with the one used to kill Bobby Joe and Annette. Luther became their prime suspect, and police confronted him in prison with the circumstantial evidence they had been able to compile. Luther was adamant he didn't have anything to do with the murders of Bobby Joe or Annette, was cooperative with police, and agreed to do a polygraph, which came back inconclusive. He specifically said, quote, I didn't do it. It's not my thing. He said he preferred killing with a hammer or knife, not a gun. I wrote, cool, cool. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Thanks. So we're just going to not investigate that guy any further. Walk away. Uh Despite Luther's charming clarification of his personal modus operandi, Police kept him as the main suspect for some time, but unfortunately were never able to find any convincing evidence that he was the one who killed the two women. They assumed his jailhouse bragging had referred to two other women he'd killed or was just bravado to impress or intimidate his fellow inmates, which is not uncommon. The case went cold again. I'm so excited that this has been solved. (laughs) Aren't you? Oh my god. I keep getting really mad and then I calm down again. Well, and the crazy thing is this case has been heavily, heavily covered over the years. Like I watched a fairly recent episode of Paula Zahn's show. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the names sound so familiar. I'm yeah. sure if I saw their faces, it would all. Yeah. And yeah. It, when I watched the Paula Zahn, it was still unsolved. So wow. yeah, it's been a, it's been a hot case for a long time, but I'm mm-hmm. so freaking glad it's been solved. And thank you, Reddit, for bringing it onto my radar. Yep. While the passing of decades without any justice for the murders of the two young women is nothing short of torture for their loved ones, it did give technology the opportunity to advance, and police are periodically able to revisit evidence that was previously useless because the technology wasn't advanced enough to give conclusive answers. For years, the police assumed the blood found on Bobby Joe's glove belonged to her because it was confirmed to be the same blood type. Fast forward several years, and modern DNA evidence was available and able to confirm that the blood on the glove did not belong to Bobby Joe. Ooh, yeah. And was most likely her killer's, as it was conclusively male DNA. Oh, boy. They tested the DNA from the glove against Thomas Luther's DNA, and it did not match, ruling him out as a suspect. Side note... Thomas Luther is currently serving a life sentence for killing a woman who fell in love with him while he was in prison for hammering a woman half to death. Oh, my God. He got out of prison and he killed her just a couple months later. 
Oh my god. I know. I was like, maybe I need to do a story on Thomas Luther, but seriously. What the fuck? Women, please, please, please do not. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't no, fall in love with murderers. enough. No. No. They also tested Jeff Oberholzer's DNA, and his was also not a match. Oh, man. At the time the DNA results became available, it didn't match anyone on their list of suspects, uh, including a man named Tracy Petrelli, who'd been staying at the Holiday Inn that Annette worked at on the night she was killed, and had later killed his wife and then gone on a multi-state crime spree. Gee, like, there's just too many killers. It, I, <laughs> It didn't match anyone in CODIS, which would cause me to drive myself off a bridge out of yeah. frustration. Yes. Yes. I can you? You're just like, such a break. definitely going to be Jeff Olberholzer. It's definitely going to be this. And like, you're getting these results back and just, I would seriously hit my head against a wall until it was bloody seriously. out of frustration. I'm, I like, I hope that Jeff never handed out another business buddy poor buddy i i just and if you like two women are brutally fucking murdered shot and left for dead in one night you're gonna assume that this motherfucker is in codis at the very least yes right yeah and then to not to not be wtf right Right. i mean i guess it's like the golden state killer there's plenty of people that got away with it forever right good point until they didn't yeah Charlie McCormick didn't give up, though. When he started on the case as a private investigator for Annette's family, who, by the way, he charged $1 per year. No, bud. The year was 1989. Wow. In the year of the Lord, 2020. <laughs> I just have, I have knee chills. I don't know why it's just... Which makes it 31 years later. Oh, man. And 39 years after the women were murdered, Charlie McCormick finally cracked the motherfucking case. <sighs> More knee chills. Me chills. <laughs> Sadie has very sensitive knees. <laughs> Holds her emotion in her knees. She goes to the acupuncturist. And, <laughs> like, I, I know my chi flowing. Never seen yeah. anything like it. You hold everything in your knees. <laughs> Because McCormick kept the case alive for so many years, technology was again able to catch up, and detectives decided to try to find a match through genetic genealogy. I love it so much. I'm dancing. The best. The best. Quote, investigators worked with United Data Connect, a company founded by former Denver District Attorney Mitch Morrissey that specializes in genetic genealogy research. Detectives and United Data Connect began exploring the possibility of genetic genealogy in the Oberholzer and Schnee case last year. Genetic genealogy led police to a 70-year-old retired mechanic and local man named Alan Lee Phillips. Uh, I don't have much inf- yeah. I don't have much information at all about who Phillips is because he was just arrested 4 months ago. <laughs> but I do know one interesting tidbit. Remember the man who I mentioned was saved by a passing plane the night Bobby <sighs> Joe and Annette were murdered? No. It was what? none other than Alan Lee Phillips. Holy shit. Seems that after attempting to assault and successfully murdering one woman and successfully assaulting and murdering another... Phillips got his car stuck in a drift and could have potentially frozen to death like his victims if a plane hadn't happened to pass over and see his SOS call. Oh, shit. He's currently facing murder charges as well as first-degree assault and kidnapping. Oh, God. I mean, (laughs) imagine if you find the two victims and the murderer all frozen on the fucking mountain the same night that wow piece of shit seriously let's let's rewind and let bobby joe and annette be the ones that sos the plane down to save them not alan 39 fucking years later so not only does he do that and get saved by a plane and then gets away with it his whole life his whole fucking life and like (sighs) national news was like oh this guy got saved from the mountain by a plane by sosing it and hooray hooray meanwhile he had just fucking murdered two women on the mountain and left them for dead 
Isn't that insanity? But how do you go from murdering two women in the same night and then that's like, that's it? He didn't, he stayed in the area? Yeah, he, he lived locally. And McCormick, the detective, said he was like, I know it's somebody local. I just, he just like, I just knew it was. And I don't know. I don't know if he just got it out of his system or if he stopped murdering the women he raped, would be my guess. Like he probably continued to rape women but didn't murder them. I don't know. God, I hate and, it. Yeah, and like there is literally no actual information about him yet or his motive right. or anything because, I mean, even the New York Times has covered the case, but, you know. That there's just, not going to be anything till there's a trial. No, exactly. Yeah. So... McCormick, who is now 81 years old, he worked on this fucking case until he was 81 years old, said, quote, I've been trying to define my emotions and it's been very hard to do. I never thought I'd see the day, frankly. Oh, my God. No, more knee chills. I seriously am having (laughs) chills all up into my legs. I don't know what's going on, but that I cannot imagine. No. Like you really do. At 81? No. No. no, I'm never going to solve this case. It's no. never going to happen. And he never stopped. He said when he started, there was two books of information. And by the time he stopped, by the time they cracked it, it was like 48 books of information. Oh, and, my God. And he said, and all these other detectives said, too, they're like, this is just one of those cases that you cannot quit. Like, it's no. so coincidental and fascinating and fucking like, it's, you know, like, you're like, it's there. I know it's there. And you just have to wait. God. I know. That's so crazy. It's so crazy. The first two books of information that he had was just, we found Jeff's business card in her wallet. (laughs) This is your guy. Over and over again. Yeah, it's just a big big, fat picture of Jeff. Yes. Did it. In all caps. (laughs) Poor Jeff. Poor Jeff. I mean, just imagine the detective being like, um, we found another woman. She was murdered in the same night as your wife. And she had your business card in her fucking uh, wallet. And, and also once again, good job detectives for not just fucking wedging him right on in there and yes. making him because they would have been able to convict on that alone. A hundred percent. Nine times yeah. out of 10, they would have gone just like put smooshed it all together and made it work. I would have, 100%. Me too! No questions asked. Yes! Mm-hmm. Would have done some kind of weird thing, like just kidnapped him and tortured him in my basement or something, you know? <laughs> I'd totally misery him. Yeah, totally misery. Did you say misery? Misery? <laughs> misery? <laughs> like a misery. Like the book? Yeah. yeah. I think you said misery. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll confirm back. when I edit. But yes, I would be some sort of weird vigilante misery person. So Jeff Olberholzer said, quote, I pray that the arrest of Alan Phillips for the murder of my wife, Bobby Joe and Annette Schnee will finally, after all these decades, bring closure and peace to this hideous nightmare for myself, along with all the lives he has horribly affected through his actions. I cannot thank enough all who never gave up the search for the truth. They are without a doubt extremely dedicated and extraordinary individuals. Phillips is finally in the hands of the judicial system. May justice be served. Wow. Bobby Joe's daughter said, quote, I, the daughter of Bobby Joe Olberholzer, would like to thank both Charlie McCormick and Richard Eaton for never giving up on solving my mom's case. When I look into my child's blue eyes, which are truly beautiful like my mom's, I see her. I have lived with the monster in my mind since I was 11 years old, and now I can rest knowing justice will be served. Mm. And from Annette's 88-year-old mother... Quote, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank everybody who has been involved in the investigation of this case. It has been a mind-boggling affair. We finally have closure after 39 years. I thank you all. I'm just in shock that this case has finally been solved and come to an end. Holy shit, I cannot imagine. No. And that is the case. The recently solved murders of Annette Schnee and Barbara Jo Olberholzer. Good one. Thank Clint. you. Holy bananas. I can't even get over it. I know. I'm. Thank you for cases that get solved. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I know. Thank you. Thank you. We need more of them, please. Because I would have watched the Paula Zahn show or, you know, whatever the other shows that it was covered and just been like, well, fuck. I would, you know, of course, I'd be like, 
It's obviously Jeff, so. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know what, what's unsolved about this one. Like when one of us starts an unsolved case and the other one, well, usually you start an unsolved case and I'm like, tell uh-huh. me it's been solved. And you say, well, kind of. Kinda. <laughs> we would. That's what we would say about this case. Yeah. Like, we would be Jeff. wrong. We would be wrong. Yeah. Dead fucking wrong. Some rando mechanic piece of shit did it. Yeah. And then got Fuck. stuck in a snow drift because he uh, fucking drove up there to dispose of their bodies that's the other thing he so like crazy went all the way up where he shouldn't have gone to dispose and then of their just bodies threw their belongings out the car door mm-hmm. on his way down the mountain yep fucker wow well i just can't wait i mean it does it does seem like every day there's a new article popping up like genealogy yep. dna solved it again and yep so just, badass. Let's do it all the time. Every day. All the crimes. What's the name? I mean, you're not going to know off the top of your head, but the the Kiwi woman who basically figured the shit out the f- most. Do you know who I'm talking about? She was she was interviewed heavily in the Bear Brook podcast. Um, yeah, I don't know. Let's just make a day for her. Let's make a banner Seriously. for her hero doll superhero doll let me see if yes. i can find her name so i can give her a little fucking shout out barbara ray venter that's mm. the hero of the fucking story she's a badass she wins she wins, she wins thank you barbara prizes. ray venter for fucking like so significantly forwarding dna seriously in solving yep. cases so there you go guys that's that's it that's it that's but not really. <laughs> but not really, because I still have a fucking fire hydrant's worth of names to share with you all. Yes, we do. <laughs> Are you ready? Yes. Let's see here. Also, fucking big shout out to your husband for keeping them coming, too. Ryan sends them to me, like, almost <laughs> daily now. And then when we get done recording, he's like, did you get to any of mine? And I was like, I, she doesn't, like, tell me that they're yours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, I think, well, no, I'm not going to say because I'm probably wrong. Robert, oh, Richard L. Roberts, which shortened his dick bob. <laughs> I think that might be a Ryan one. <laughs> um, Dick Pound is the chairman of the Olympic Broadcasting Services. Yeah, he is. I mean, good God. Get a room, Dick Pound. <laughs> I do think that this one is one of Ryan's. Blaze M. Cruzman. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Yes. If I had to do it over again, I would have a child just to name him Blaze. Blaze. So much. So much. I think this is also a Ryan one. Gage Luke Lee Lear. <laughs> gotta stop somewhere, guys. You gotta stop somewhere. Seriously. Gage Luke Lee Lear. Lee Lear. Um, <laughs> George Henry Barf, B A R F F. Um, Matt Salad, <laughs> Easter Lynch. Oh no! Yep. Um, Peggy Ruggles. <laughs> Come on, that's so cute. If she Ruggles. doesn't teach ch- like nursery rhymes to children seriously. out of a fucking pumpkin or something i don't know seriously. what <laughs> somebody said there's knob lick missouri when we mentioned knobbone <laughs> indiana knob lick missouri oh and then there's also the arkansas which was like hard knob or whatever um uh-huh. charlton come hardy it's called c-u-m <laughs> come hyphen hardy charlton <laughs> come hardy is the name of a place God. Uh, Clint, who's Sadian, uh, my mutual, like, brother, basically, best friend who's family, he is from the South, and he had a teacher named Lala Jolly. Okay, <laughs> fucking give it up to the South for <laughs> the craziest names. And he said she was married to someone named Rankin Jolly. <laughs> Everyone down there is named Dorcas and fucking Broadus uh, and Lala and Rankin. Like, they, it. it's like they... They're just named after sounds like cars make or so. I don't, you know what I mean? It's like <laughs> yes. the South. It's so true. Yeah. Um, this, I, this name, somebody 
said that they had a list of like a hundred running list of like a hundred names because they worked in a call center or something. So they just kept a running list of names and their phone died and they lost all of them. (sighs) But the one that they could remember, which is I'm putting it in the top five. Epi Wampler Fudge. (laughs) (laughs) Say it again. Epi Wampler Fudge. Fudge. Happy <laughs> oh Wampler Fudge. Happy Wampler Fudge. God. Fucking fantastico. That's so funny. Oh my god. We so thank one. you guys. Good yeah. lordy. That's don't ever change. Don't ever. Don't ever stop. <laughs> one of our patron supporters said that they went to middle school and dated a kid named Jack Mahard. Oh yeah. That was, um, yes. Jack Mahard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God. God. (laughs) Love it. Fabulous. Please don't ever stop. Please don't ever stop. God, no, please don't ever stop. Um, Speaking of names, we got some patrons. Speaking of Patreon, too. Who do we got this week? All right. Hold on. Let me look. If I remember correctly, this is the week that Sadie has to pronounce (laughs) Eastern European names that are in different alphabet. (laughs) Yeah. It'll be really fun. So thank you so much to Svenja S. (gasps) If my name was Svenja, I would. What would I do? Svenja S. Yeah, it's our first German Patreon supporter. No way from from Germany. Germany, yeah. I my friend Sadie and I are German Jews on our dad's side, but mm-hmm. we didn't know it until we were grown because it got lost. But my other friend's a German Jew, and so we called ourselves German Goose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's very exciting. We're very German, so welcome to the family, yes. Svenja. We are yep. German on every all side, all up and down. Our mother's mother is from Germ- Germany. Uh-huh. So happy to have you, Svenja. Yep, love the name. Svenja Assassin. Assassin. Thank you so much to Jess C. Jess C. Jesse. Jesse C. Is. <laughs> Jesse. C is hard. C is hard. C. Unless yeah. it's Jess Courtney. Later. Right. It is Jess Courtney. And which is a surname in New Zealand. So maybe Jess Courtney is from New Zealand and is related to Barbara. Hold on. <laughs> Ray Venter. And has some association with genetic genealogy and saving fucking crimes saving them solving them yes so thanks jess courtney good job thank you jess and last but certainly not least thank you so much to glockaya k (laughs) i I mean if you expect me to bow down i will to a name like glockaya k Uh uh-huh That sounds like like a weapon. It sounds like a a, a legend. Yep. Or a fable. Yep. It sounds like a sunset. Like it, the emotion you feel when you watch a sunset. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Good job. Welcome. Yep. And I don't know where Glakaya is from because they didn't leave their place of origin but it's somewhere fucking really badass yeah probably middle earth probably (laughs) like the middle of the earth like the core the center of it right exactly (laughs) where it's hot glockaya doesn't give a fuck no she's made of emotions that you feel when you look at sunrises or sunsets (laughs) that she's not there's not matter there's just emotion and the best possible emotion and so she can just be wherever the fuck she wants to be and she chooses the middle of the earth because she knows it's pretty fucking badass when you're at a cocktail party and someone says where are you from and you say the actual middle of the earth people are like 
Yes. Well, I'm just not going to ask you what you do for a living because it's irrelevant because you fucking win. Yep. Yes. So I'm excited. I feel like we're branching out to mm-hmm. new places, meeting new people. <laughs> yeah, like the literal <laughs> middle of the earth. What's next? Uh, outer space. Oh, God. Mars. Yes. Multiple galaxies. Um, a friend of mine from college figured out okay here i go explaining fucking astrophysics <laughs> oh, God. she's studying astrophysics and figured out that 13 different baby galaxies so theoretically galaxies or in actuality i don't know i'm just saying theoretically because it sounds smart but so <laughs> she's she figured out that 13 baby galaxies that were like 18 billion light years away from each other produce stars at the same time, produce new stars at the same time, which is significant because generally galaxies produce stars kind of in the order that they're born. Right. Right. But they, she figured out that these 13 galaxies or 32, a bunch of fucking baby galaxies produced new stars at the exact same time. So they're like, there's some sort of celestial intergalactic event that caused that to happen. Holy shit. I know. My friend, somebody I know. That's amazing. Isn't that cool? I so love smart people. God. I know. But anyway, thank you guys for your Thank support. you so much. You're as, really you're appreciate as, it. You're as epic and meaningful as the birth of new stars and baby galaxies. Yep. I feel like every time we get a new patron, we birth a new galaxy. Like yeah on the galaxy within ourselves <laughs> <laughs> anything else we need to tell these guys no but you can come over to instagram you can come over to facebook twitter and follow us at they will kill you can email us at they will kill podcast at gmail.com and you can visit our website they will kill dot com <laughs> <laughs> i believe so yeah <laughs> Uh, rate, review, subscribe. Yes, please, please do. It's been a little you. quiet, you guys. Somebody Help us out. get please. over there. Put a thing on it. Just yes. Our downloads are going up. Our reviews are going down. No, I mean that's Just probably a good. If I had to pick one, I would choose downloads over. Yeah, reviews, yeah, yeah. But no, reviews. I want people to listen. You don't have to talk about how much you like us or dislike us, but it helps. It certainly fucking helps. What else? Thank, Thank you, you, AJ Bergens, for our music. Uh, and remember um i learned it's something interesting i learned it i just said i learned learned something interesting (laughs) this week i am like every once in a while take a test just to see if i'm like a little asperger's or adhd or you know just try to figure out why specifically a small talk is like swords through my fucking soul like i i would Mm -hmm. rather (sighs) do anything than engage in small talk. Like when my neighbor comes out who I like, I run the fucking other way because Mm -hmm. I cannot small talk to save my life. Mm -hmm. But also just realizing that like emailing, sending emails, it's just like, Oh my God, I've been doing it my Mm -hmm. entire adult life. I run a fucking business. That email communication is like excruciating for me. And so just trying to figure out what the fuck is up with that. And I know that I'm an extroverted introvert, but I finally found an article that was like, introverts aren't scared or don't dislike other people. They fucking hate insignificant conversation. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, so significant conversation, which I fully relate with is like a filler upper. I mean, it's like doing this fucking podcast, you know, like, Engaging in significant ways is my favorite thing, but engaging in insignificant ways makes me fucking want to die. It makes me tired. It makes me bummed out, including like emailing, small talking, like, and I'm like, oh my God, it makes so much fucking sense all of a sudden. So totally, I wanted to share that little tidbit. So if you're somebody who by the end of the day, after emailing people, even like five times, I'm just like, oh God, I gotta lay down. because you're an introvert and it's and you're not an introvert because you're shy you're an introvert because it sucks to have insignificant conversations do extroverts like 
small talk? I really think they do because like I watch Laura, she'll talk to fucking anybody about anything and we'll be talking to somebody and I'm like physically uncomfortable, you know, and like, okay, let's wrap it up. And she'll be like, but so, you know, we, so how many horsepower was it or what, you know, and I'm just like, Oh my God, <laughs> I'm gonna die. but she's yeah. legitimate. And we talk about it. She's like legitimately interested in what they have to say. And I, huh. I would rather stab my fucking face off to hear yeah, for one no. more second. And it's not because yeah. I don't like the person or I don't think that they are interesting people. It's just like, whatever we're talking about, I can't hang. Right. needs to be significant. Right. Like I go to yeah. business meetings and I think that this is, a, kind of a secret to my success, but also probably has held me back over the years. But <laughs> I cannot like promote two penguins, my company, or you know, like really get down to talking about business. I always get people to talk about their kids or their childhoods or something. I just like I can't fucking do it. So I'm meeting with like the New York Times or something, and I'm like, so how many children do you have? <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I don't give shit about yeah fucking return on investment of digital video in today's modern age. <laughs> yes. No, I totally understand. I'm, I'm the same in general, just small talk promotion. Somebody oh. mentioned, Oh, our aunt Marilyn mentioned the podcast in front of like somebody else yeah. in my family that doesn't maybe listen. And I was like, <gasps> I don't want to talk about it. And she loves it. And she's hi, you know, Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Keith. Keith listens uh, to your husband. Yeah, I just, I get so shy about it. It's really hard to promote, especially in person. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, it makes me like want to vomit. Laura will (laughs) always be like, why don't you show, you know, her brother some video work you've been doing lately? And I'm like, I'm, excuse me. I'm going to go throw myself off the deck. (laughs) Yeah. No. So that was really helpful for me. And it also... I don't know how I'm going to fix my email problem, but maybe being aware of it <laughs> will make make it like kind of reframe my thinking about it. And I don't know. I don't know what to do about it. I'll let you guys know if I figure out yeah. how to make my maybe life Maybe other people have tips they can share with us. Yeah. Well, I'm also just realizing that I'm a very hands-on person. Like I like making things and I don't like office work. I just don't like it, even though I'm mm-hmm. good at it. And so I've always done it. Uh, I'm realizing that I'm much happier when I'm like decorating a house or mm-hmm. fucking researching a podcast or something. So I don't know. I don't know what that means, but I'll keep y'all posted. But I definitely found that very, very helpful. I was like suddenly understanding myself for the first time in my adult life. <laughs> oh, we love you guys. We love you so much. Thank you for listening. I'll see you super soon. See you in a couple days. Yeah, goodbye. (laughs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Perfect timing.